Which is on the Mountain, Chapter 7, written and narrated by Enda Mangan. The sun was rising in the canyon of the great mountains, on the highest of peaks. There, in its very center, sat a giant rock, shaped like a shell. The rock, tall in stature, overlooked the entire front range of the great rocky mountains. As the sun glared onto the face of the young woman that lay on the rock's plate, she, surrounded by tall pine trees that stood almost like fortresses to protect her from the harshness of this cruel world. She lay wrapped in a long red overcoat along the center of the rock's plate. Her hair was blonde. Many years she found herself wandering the great mountains and towns and cities of the great world. She was what the enchanted call a seeker, a great witch that carried information to the newly woke, the ones that would gather for the end of days. She wiped the tiredness from her eyes, almost too tired to wake. She knew that she would get hungrier and hungrier if she stayed on the rock. She knew her stomach. Many nights she slept on that great rock. She'd wandered many years for someone so young. She was very intriguing to any human. Her beauty was dazzling, her charm and wit, poetic and funny. Seekers need to be charmful if they are to help the woke, for the woke to place trust in their newfound information from such a person. Remember, woke humans lack trust. The journey to this place has had lots of scars, and now open and wounded fear of more salt being added was a real fear. They tell of those seekers in which folklore, they feel the energy of the hunted and seek to save them from the dogs of darkness. She'd wandered for many centuries, yet each night her soul would rest on the great mountain. She would never know her early years. The great witches demanded it be this way. For seekers that are chosen must have no connection to their past for fear they might change its outcome. She has never remembered her youth, no record of her years. She was a wanderer from place to place at first, a young witch free of the world's burdens. She was told in an adoption centre, a place in Denver called St. Mary's, that she was left by the door one cold, wet night in December 1919. She found this information insane. Yet could it be true, she often wondered in dismay, that information gave her chills to be so old, yet no recollection of time, years, just a wanderer in the halls of its time. She was often wrapped in a red coat, that protected her from cold nights. That coat became her blanket, an invisible cloak that protected her from the cruelty of this human world. Seekers can live among humans and have relationships, yet no female seeker can ever give birth. This was great. This was the great law of the enchanted. Yet many seekers could feel in love, which in a young woman caused great pain, especially a woman abandoned on a doorway on a cold winter's morning as a child. She would love, she would hurt. She was a beautiful woman. Love came and went. Each human would take a piece of her with them. But one day soon, she'd have no idea that all those pieces would return to her in a stranger. As she stood up on the great walk, as she stood up on the great rock, she wiped the dust from her black and torn jeans. She proceeded to tuck them into the tall black boots that kept her grounded. She quickly pulled from her red coat a golden brush. Then suddenly she was stirred by a gentle voice. Stealing stuff again, I see. Oh, little witch, stop doing that. And why are you not at the great oak tree? Came to see you, 
to give you word you've been sent to an, on a new task by the great witches. They have found another that needs to be at the great mountain for the end of days. She's a South African girl, they believe, that she will play a big part on the mountain at the end of days. Tonight at midnight she will leave a bar in Oxford Street, London. She will try to get a cab. Do not let her get that cab, Seeker. The great witches need her not to get that cab. Okay, the Seeker replied. Now back to the oak tree, she said, little witch, before the great wandmaker finds you gone and stop scaring me. They hugged, laughed. The young witch walked towards the forest of pines, whistling into the morning fog. The seeker shaked her head and laughed. She heard a voice yell back from the fog. Seeker! Yes, little witch. Return that golden brush to the queen while you're in jolly old London, will you? I'm sure she knows it's gone by now. They both laughed. Okay, she replied. Home now, little witch, before she knows you're gone. The seeker sat on the edge of the rock, placed in her ears two earbuds made of beautiful crystal diamonds. From her pocket, a diamond crystal case that had a beautiful gold clock on its face. She winded the clock. She opened the case, and from it, a diamond pipe. Below her feet, a plant that grew from the earth. She pulled it from the ground. She placed it into the beautiful pipe. She wiped her beautiful white long nails against the rock, creating a beautiful flame. In an instant, the smoke from the pipe filled her mind. Soft music played from the buds of crystal. And from her grounded body, she felt her soul leave. It flew into the great Colorado morning, over hills and mountains, out into the great frontiers. The seeker shrieked in delight. She turned towards the great coast and out towards the great oceans, towards the great magical city of London. As her soul flew over the great country of Emerald Ireland, she thought of the boy the great witches had recently banned her from seeing. She giggled with great delight. She thought about dropping by his window, yet she was concerned he's charm, he might be with guests, and bruise her little heart. She thought best not to take a chance. She flew towards the great city, over towards the palace, her dropping along the way a certain possession of Her Majesty the Queen, leaving it on her balcony for morning's fine. Such items missing become public information. The Enchanted did not need to be on trial by the great Queen of England once again, especially with what days were ahead. Fear of the massacre at Salem, the Enchanted now would rather live in peace. But unlike the Queen and other world leaders, the great witches, they knew that the dogs of darkness were fast approaching. The young woman hugged her friends goodbye, drank her last beer, said goodbye, and hugged the big South African bouncer, a fellow countryman. She raced hurriedly towards Oxford Street. Christmas lights lit up all around her. She thought it looked so beautiful. She held her hand out for a cab, yet seemed invisible to the world, as she often felt lately. She hailed the cab again, this time furiously, yet none pulled over. Furiously, she walked faster, coming towards her a young woman in a red coat. She blocked her path. Don't take that cab. Go back to the bar. She looked at the strange lady in the red coat. Why not, she asked. To tonight, the seeker replied, you will meet someone that will take you home to be with your people. You will be called upon at the end of days on the great mountain to the west. If you go home tonight, those pills you're thinking about swallowing, you may not wake you up tomorrow. For two years, the young woman, homesick for her land, had fought with her husband to bring her back to South Africa. Yet he would not hear of it. She had no choice but to end her life. Homesickness is a horrible disease, not just for humans, but seekers alike. The seeker had plenty of compassion for such a feeling in, in a woman. 
had planned for two weeks to commit suicide, often sitting at the bar at night while friends sat around contemplating such a sin. She would feel so in fear of never seeing home again she was willing to end her life. Such a sad fate. The South African girl looked at the woman in the red coat. Go back to the bar, child. There's a stranger there. He will see you make it home. Remember, you will be called upon on the end of days. Go to the window of the gods. Set up a home there. I will see you from the great rocks to the west. You will find me again. She wiped tears from the face of her new friend, kissed her gently on the cheek. The young South African woman turned and walked towards the little bar on Rupert Street. A sign above it, Waxy's little sister. Again she was greeted by the doorman. Back again, he replied. She gave him a big hug. Hey, meet our new barman, he said. A door opened to the small purple castle. The king chef was on the Food Network in South Africa, one of her to-do lists in Colorado. She was greeted with a big hello from Casey the chef, a young server. Danielle placed in front of her a Pepsi and a coffee. She was offered a menu and replied, I'm waiting for someone. It was a beautiful winter's day, and in walked a woman in a red coat. The date on the grease-stained calendar above the chef's head read November 12th, 2015.